When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis people who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. Liam, it is officially Championship Day. How are you doing? All good. Um, I'm sure we'll go through it, but I'm happy with my finals performances. However, my playoff performances can be a little more to be desired. Um, you're teasing. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. You're teasing the first segment, so uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll leave that one. But uh, but yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Happy New Year to listeners. If if you're uh, watching along on the live stream, eagle-eyed viewers will have realised we are joined by a guest. So delighted to have uh, with us. So he's one quarter of the Five Yard Dynasty team. Uh, he is the author of the Tomorrow Star Today series. Uh, you will find him at Lewiswood FF underscore UK. And by that name, I'm sure you've worked out. It is, it is Lewis. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you, mate. Thank you very much for having me on. It's always a pleasure to join you guys. Uh, and especially as we reach kind of the end of the season and, and we reach prime dynasty season. This is it. I was, I was. It was amazing to me how many league chats. I don't know if you were the same today. It was like, oh yeah, look, looking forward to a break, looking forward to switching off. I was like, no, I'm so excited. This, this, <laughs> this, is, this is where, this is where the season starts. You know, I, I get to start talking rookies. I get to start looking at trades and analysing rosters. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited and very much looking forward to the next few months. I got I'm a, um... planning my uh, film 
my film sessions already and we're I've still not even started my first one yet we've been planning them for the past month how can people be having a break so so Lewis I think this is your your second appearance on the podcast now am I right in saying that I think we're at three now I was on was one three? Uh, when when uh, you were away apologies when you oh, were yeah, slacking Rich yeah I forgot that <laughs> right so so it's, it's, it's your match ball pod. So I, I apologise because uh, I've not got your match ball ready. So uh, we'll, have, <laughs> we'll have to save that for after after ninety minutes. Um, but for the guys that are, that have missed the previous two, um, tell us a bit about yourself. How how long you've been kind of playing fantasy football? Uh, so this is actually only my third season. Um, I got into the NFL about five years ago or so. I'm a Rams fan. I think you can just about see on my hat. Um, <laughs> I'm a Rams fan. And yeah, I started playing fantasy three years ago. Um, fell in love instantly. Um, this has been my first year creating content uh, with you guys, um, and which is an opportunity I'm really grateful for. And I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, and yeah, looking forward to kind of what the off season can bring as well. And uh, and how did you how did you find that kind of step from fan into playing fantasy into kind of producing content? Well, it's been really interesting because uh, playing in a lot of home leagues and having very very supportive friends means that I can't really get away with anything because I would post an article. What I would have to get into the trend of doing, particularly with tomorrow's start today, because it's trying to kind of predict trends and get in while the value's a little bit lower. So I would have to message a message a league mate about a trade, make the trade happen, and then I could send you my article afterwards. Um, because otherwise the price would skyrocket. It it happened with Elijah Moore that I sent a dear, sent a message and they said, I've just read your article. So no, <laughs> I, I I like him even more now. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we've all been there. I know certainly me and Liam have talked. I've I've sent through several trade offers whilst whilst we're recording the pod. So uh, hopefully people uh, accept before the pod goes live. But uh... <laughs> we all we all need to adopt um pseudonyms like they did back in the eighteen hundreds <laughs> when the civil US civil war was going on we need pseudonyms so maybe we just need pen names that's it maybe we need to start writing articles <laughs> under different names and... you guys both have a pen name <laughs> this is this is very true yeah um, to be fair I think, I think more people know me by my pen name than perhaps my real name so uh, yeah maybe that's where i'm going down um but liam we've 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 made the people wait long enough come on cocktail of the week what you got for us so you can't actually see it if you're on the live stream this is a tiki mug that my girlfriend bought me. So I thought that was a Lion King mug then. But no, okay. it's not. It's close. I'll, I'll give you that. Um, it is a zombie. So to make it, all you need is rum, pineapple juice, lime juice, and grenadine. Shake it up really well. Get a bit of froth on the top, and it tastes really good. You must be working your way through that bottle of grenadine. It seems like it makes an appearance every week, Liam. Yeah, there's only like this much left if you're on the uh, or if you're on the live stream and. Um, for audio listeners, probably like less than a thumb. But basically, he's going to need to buy a new bottle next week because he's not got enough. Yeah. <laughs> right. So before we dive into uh, the main content for today, keen to remind you that support for the Five Yard Dynasty podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below the waist grooming. Uh, we have an exclusive offer for you with 20% off and free worldwide shipping when you use that code Five Yard. Um, Liam. So to, to, uh, before we dive in, I guess we should probably introduce and explain what we're going to be doing over the next couple of weeks. So um, the, the reason we've got Lewis on is that over the next four, three weeks, we're going to be reviewing and breaking down um, kind of the positional 
um, I guess, season in review as such. So today we're starting with running backs. Um, we're going to do wide receivers next week, and then we're going to do a quarterbacks tight end pod in one. Um, but before we get to that, you teased it earlier, Liam. How uh, how did your season go? Personally, um, could have been could have been better, but it could have been a lot worse with how the season's gone. So all in all, I made it to three finals and won all three. Um, so if we break it down, I'm sure people will most likely want to listen to the dynasty aspect of my uh, my season. I don't think you really care if you're listening to this to this uh, podcast or live stream if you're listening to the redraft. Probably got the wrong one. So dynasty-wise, I'm in nine in total uh, with four best ball leagues. Um, I made pl- the playoffs in six of them, excluding the best ball leagues because I don't want to... Um, because it's kind of weird, isn't it? Some best ball leagues have a playoff, some don't. And I know Tom, um, our UK best ball guy, uh, me and Rich both got, get on the pod every year and definitely have a good couple of uh, interactions with. He doesn't like playoffs at all. So I decided not to include them just to please him. So yeah, uh, out of the nine leagues, I made playoffs in six. I'm in the rebuild in two and just missed out in one. Um, and then... I made it to two finals out of those six and won both of them. Solid, solid. And, and Lewis, I know we spoke before we came on. I'm very jealous of uh, of your season results, but how did, how did you do for the <laughs> listeners? Yeah, weirdly similar to Liam. Eight leagues total, um, six of them playoffs. Um, the two that I missed, one's a massive rebuild, which Rich commissions um, and will have seen me blowing up the team <laughs> midway through the season i'd like um, to, i'd like to dive in there and say uh i believe the first time you came in the pod we <laughs> talked about not go, not not going win now immediately and uh, i think <laughs> i think that was a case in point wasn't it yeah i think starting up with like zeke and julio wasn't particularly great um with how they ended up doing in the season but uh, also cam Akers was my third pick in the Ouch. startup yeah. Um, but I'm going into the I'm going in with I think either three or four firsts and a wide receiver core of like Cup, AJ Brown, Amari Cooper, Michael Thomas. So it should be fine. You um, set up you set up nicely. Yeah. Um, but then the other one that I missed the playoffs, I was the top scorer and finished seventh. Uh, because fancy football is a cruel mistress. Um, of those, I I got to three finals and I won all three of them. Fantastic. Nice. And then uh, my performance, so I'm, I, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm obviously in a lot more leagues than both of you. Which, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll take that as you wish. But I was, So I'm in 37 leagues. Uh, I made 21 playoff appearances, which I was pretty pleased with. Um, only nine final appearances. Um, and then of those nine finals, I actually won seven titles. So... Uh, so yeah, it was 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 a pleasing day for me today. I've had a smile on my face all day. So yeah, quite quite pleased with my uh, my overall. I think it's about twenty percent of leagues that I won in. So pretty pretty chuffed with that. Um, Liam, did you have uh, some significant news before we dive into our our running back review? So we had a couple of things. It's week seventeen, so there's not much going on. Um, and I didn't really want to bring up anything that was going to affect this season only because it's over for for most leagues. Um, so first of all, some sad news for Michael Gallup. He has torn his ACL. Uh, he could affect his off-season value. I know that I was a big believer in picking him up uh, for about a second. That value's definitely gone down now. Um, it could mean that he signs a cheaper deal with the Cowboys. It could. 
Um, I, think, I don't know how you feel about that, Rich, or, or Lewis bring both in there. I think it, to me, obviously, it's, it's you know, any any significant injury is never good news. I think it's likely that he's probably in a missed training camp, which to me means it sounds weird, but if he if he moves team, I probably drop him a little bit more. You know, I was very excited that he was going to sign a big deal and find a new home, but I do think, as you said, this probably means that he's more likely to return with Dallas not need to have training camp should be good to go for September week one and and hopefully probably sign like a one year preview deal and then can can hit free agency next year. I mean Lewis, do you do you think he's still a kind of a good buy now before free agency or I think what it does is it it it, it raises the floor and lessens the ceiling from my view of Gallup. Um wide receivers that move teams in free agency historically don't do particularly well the first year especially if we look at this last year the only one who was really a success was like Kendrick Bourne and even then I mean I know we spoke about him but it's not a huge success is it um so what it does is it keeps him in the situation that we're more aware of um it means that the price is going to be more stable for Gallup than it is if you were to buy him um before a potential big move somewhere but it means that we know the situation he's staying in and we know that he can be a bit of a boom bust wide receiver three but we know that it's a crowded uh wide receiver room and potentially with a, a tight end as well so it, it means he's he's still the player that he was previously it just means he doesn't really change in my rankings too much but massive shame for him because i think he was about to be one of the prize targets and free agency yeah absolutely so um, I did put this on the list and it's not happened yet, but AB, Antonio Brown, had a little hissy fit by the looks of it halfway through the second quarter uh, of his game on Sunday. And he was essentially released from the books on the sideline, but that transaction still has not gone through. So it's not official from the point of view that he's hit waivers. <laughs> However, it doesn't sound like he's going to be playing for the books very like, anytime I- soon. I don't think we should spend too much time on this because oh, the guy, I just wanted to point it out. That's yeah, all. the guys, the guys, an idiot. The guys done. I can't see any team spending, giving him a chance. Quite frankly, I think his career's over. It's a shame. You know, one of the most exciting, interesting to watch guys I've I've ever had the joy of watching. But a, a complete, you know, tool. And let's let's leave it there. <laughs> so last bit of news that I wanted to bring up. If you didn't see, for whatever reason, I have no idea how you missed it, what rock you're living under, I don't know. But Jamar Chase had a 50-burger in PPR, and that is insane. Now, I only wanted to put this on here because, one, 50-burgers don't really happen in fantasy football for a single player often. But I wanted to ask you both a question. We'll go to Lewis first. Is he your now dynasty wide receiver one? Uh, yeah, he is. Um, it's It was always between him and Justin Jefferson. And I think I'm looking at the situation being more stable for um, for Chase. Uh, and we've seen that he can produce with other talent there. Um, I love the talent of the two of them. And, and I was actually not particularly high on Chase coming in, but I've been proven very, very wrong. And so, yeah, he's my number, uh, number one overall dynasty wide receiver at the moment. Rich? Not- not for me, not for me. I'm still still sticking with uh, with Justin Jefferson. I think that for me, he's he's had a you know a longer track record in the NFL, and I appreciate that's that's t- tough for um, Jamar Chase to have done it more, um, considering this is his rookie year. But uh, but yeah, I I just think that Justin Jefferson's had a better year. I think that. I buy into him being the true one in that offense, whereas I think that 
chase is kind of a 1A, 1B situation with Higgins. We saw over the last, was it four weeks, that, you know, Higgins came to the fore and Jamar Chase was basically putting up duds. Um, so I think I'd, I'd still lean Justin Jefferson. I would say they are very much in a in a top tier of three and and I'd, I'd be happy with any of those three. If, if you're going to give me Justin Jefferson plus anything for Jamar Chase, I'd, I'd absolutely take that. And I'm sure I'm not shocking the listeners by saying if you, I'd throw CD Lamb in that mix as well. <laughs> surprise, surprise. The, the only thing I'd say to Chase is he did break um, Justin Jefferson's receiving yards record in the same amount of times as well. Justin Jefferson put it up and he didn't need the extra game this year so um, he is definitely a top asset however it just depends for me I've got Justin Jefferson just ahead of him um, but yeah it's very <laughs> close between the two right now I think, I, 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 sorry go on this I love the two it's obviously you know it's it's no slight on Jefferson it's looking at and going Jamar Chase outperformed him in college he's come into the NFL and outperformed him in his rookie year um so i think that's my argument of putting him ahead he was clearly the more dominant receiver in in college when they played on the same team at lse so i think that's the argument is i think he's outperforming in year one and so i see the room for development if he continues to develop the same as justin jefferson and also we have no idea what the vikings are starting a quarterback next year i i would hedge my bets on it not being Kirk cousins I if I can guarantee it's going to be Kirk Cousins, go and have a look, at, and have a look at his contract. There is absolutely no way they are <laughs> to like anyone else other than Kirk Cousins. They're not paying him. I think he's almost. I think he's like 35, 36 million. They're not paying him that not to sit, do anything but start for them. So uh, yeah, I think for me yeah. the one the one difference I have with Jefferson and Chase is I think that Jamal Chase's ceiling on a week to week basis is definitely higher, and I completely get that. And if you look at the season long stats, they're similar. But for me. Justin Jefferson has a higher target share, is likely to have a higher target volume, and that leads to a safer week-to-week play. Justin Jefferson has finished as a top 24 receiver 12 times this year, whereas Jamar Chase has finished as a top 24 receiver only seven times. So over half the games, Jamar Chase has basically disappointed for you on a week-to-week basis. And that's that's where I'd lean Justin Jefferson, just because I think that because of the target volume, he's got a, a is a safer week to week play. Come on then, Rich. Let's move on because if we don't, we'll be stuck on that question. <laughs> show. Save that for the wide receiver show next week. Um, so the the as we we hinted, the idea is we're basically going to do a dynasty positional review. So what we're going to look through is. The kind of top 12 in the season finish, plus also five kind of, I guess, honourable mentions who were in the top 12 in terms of points per game. We're literally going to work through a list. We're going to talk about them, their performance, where they were before the season, what we think about their kind of dynasty value moving forward um, and that kind of thing. So to kick us off, Lewis, the, the August ADP running back two, I think in redraft, he was sort of RB6-ish, um, but a, a very dominant RB1 finish um, was Jonathan Taylor. What 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 do you make of what has been a, a fairly incredible <laughs> season? 
he's it's you know it's it sort of goes without saying Jonathan Taylor is an unbelievable player in a fantastic situation behind a pretty dominant O-line um and we sort of knew that the dynasty value was was going to skyrocket I always thought the redraft price was a little bit low so I ended up with him anywhere that I was drafting in the back of the first um which has definitely been the key to a couple of titles um a really interesting thing for me about him and obviously I adore the the player and the talent um if you don't already own him in dynasty i don't think you're going to um he the price is so ridiculously high that even if you were to offer you know your rb1 even if it's you know say naji or, or swift who are ranked as the two and three currently and another bonafide wide receiver one you might still not get him and whilst i think he's incredibly dominant and such an elite talent I'm never willing to blow up my entire team like that just for one player. So I think if you picked him up at the 101 or 102 last year, if the person ahead of you took Clyde, well done you, enjoy. Other than that, I think you're going to have to sit and watch him be dominant on someone else's team. Yeah, he's definitely approached that kind of four-first territory, hasn't he? Liam, I I talk constantly about peak value. Do you think that uh, now's the opportunity to sell Jonathan Taylor, or do you think that uh, that you'd you'd hold and expect another RB one performance next year? Normally, I'd agree with your peak value um, <laughs> stance. However, I don't think that this is his peak value. As crazy as that sounds, I don't think it is. Yes, he's the top of he is the first running back and off the board in current ADP. Yes, he has just had the RB one season. But I don't think that he slows down next year. And if you can sell him next year, that's peak value. Because I don't foresee him having a worse year than he has had this year. So I don't know where you want to go with that, Rich. But yeah, Yeah, if you're trying to buy him, good luck. Because as Lewis said, you're probably looking at four firsts, if not blowing up your entire team just to get one player. He's a younger Christian McCaffrey, and we know how expensive Christian McCaffrey was. I think I foresee him having a kind of Christian McCaffrey-like reign on the RB1 spot. I think we're going to see him be RB1 for the next probably two, two and a half years. Um, You know, if if you ask me this question again in a year, 18 months time, as we're approaching the end of that first contract, that's probably when I'm selling. Um, But this is a guy coming off his second year. I know that we talk about approaching that second contract i still think you've got a year or 18 months to hold him before uh you look and sell that being said you know if someone is willing to offer me five firsts plus or you know some sort of ridiculous offer then yeah i'm absolutely t- you know if i can completely transform my roster f- by selling jonathan taylor then absolutely i'm doing that you know if i can get a someone like a Javante Williams and three firsts or something like that, I'm I'm smashing that all day. But um but yeah, it, it needs to be essentially a big overpay for me to uh, for me to be hit and accept. So the RB2 on the season, um, I guess probably a little bit of a surprise to most people because um in August he was the RB15 in Dynasty Value. Um was Austin Eckler, who who also finished as the RB3 in points per game. So uh, not just a kind of a compiler. Average 21 points a game, Lewis. Does, uh, do, do you think that he can keep this up and, and have another season of elite production? Yeah, Eckler was actually someone I'm really happy to have been right on going into the season. He was someone that I bought in a couple of places and definitely a redraft target. So it was nice to, you know, one championship winning team saw me start off with 
JT and Eckler as my RB1 and 2, which is pretty nice. Um, I think Eckler is one that you can have for next year. He's, you know, because of his start to the league, he didn't see too much work on his rookie deal. And he was a UDFA as well, so it works slightly differently. But as a receiving back, his his floor is slightly higher and it means that he's getting run into the ground slightly less. So he's got a little bit more of a lifespan to him. Um, I think he's going into his age 26 season. So this is normally the time that we look to sell. I think you can have him for another year. I think he'll repeat next year. That offense is definitely something that I want a part of, especially as they develop with another year with Brandon Staley and whatever they end up doing with wide at the wide receiver position. But I like the weapons on the team. I think you can buy him and hold for another year and expect similar production. After that, it would slight to start to concern me just because that's the trend for when running backs start to have a downturn, uh, regardless what kind of running backs they are normally. Yeah, I, th- I think that for me, he's one of these players that I don't think name value is ever going to match the production because of, and you hinted at the, you know, the UDFA nature of his um, kind of start in the NFL. I think that, as I said, he was, you know, he was the RB15 in August in, in the December DLF ADP, he was the RB9. Yet this is a guy that's got two years left on his contract and, to be honest, yes, the, the, the charges can cut him, but when they're paying him six and a half million, I can't see them moving on from that contract at all. Um, so yeah, I, I think that that's that's a you know a good hold as such. I do think that as part of his production as well, you know, he he wasn't just a receiving back. Um he had 25 rushing attempts inside the 10 this year, um, which resulted in 10 touchdowns. He he is that complete all-round three-down back that gets, you know, the first and second down carries. He gets all the targets in the passing game and he gets the goal line work. Um, I don't see why you wouldn't love Austin Eckler other than, as you said, potentially that age piece. I mean, Liam, do you think that he's still a target for you, even at that RB9 price? Or or do you think that that's kind of a little bit rich where uh, where perhaps you'd, you'd like to move off? No, I, I prefer the RB9 price to anything that I'd get for him. So just looking back on his previous seasons, he had injuries last year. So he only played 10 games. He was the PPL running back 26. But then the year before, he scored four less points than he's currently on in the same span. And he was the RB4 in PPR. I think that was sharing a backfield with Melvin Gordon that year as well. Was that, well, I thought that was the year... Before wasn't that the holdout year? Maybe that was yeah. So that was two two years ago where he shared shared a battle yeah, with course with six or eight games. I can't remember. But that's still insane for me to be getting that type of running back at RB nine. I'd, I'd take that any day of the week. If you're running back too, you're laughing all the way to playoffs. I <laughs> I, I I as Lewis said. And um, he was on him before the season. So as I, I said that he was a screaming value at running back 15 for someone that start finished as a top five running back. And he just smashed it with a top two finish. Yes, you could say that Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey have been injured and blah, blah, blah. But he still put up the PPG to know what, <laughs> what you're getting in him. And he's tied to a quarterback, a very young and very good quarterback, one that I was wrong on this year. Um, in Justin Herbert for another three years on his contract. Yes, the final year they could save about six million to cut him. 
but or probably about five million to cut him sorry but I still really like him for another year and as Louis said if you want to hold him for a year and then sell him um after next year you're still probably getting better value than you're getting right now I think I think if you're selling him in a year I think you're not going to get a return on the investment I think if you're wanting to sell you need to sell now but I still think even if you sell now you're selling him for less than his his actual production is worth if that makes sense as I said I, I genuinely believe that because of the undrafted free agent nature because he's not that sexy high drafted pick I really believe that basically his his production is always going to outweigh his value um so for me I think he's he's always going to be a good buy candidate and I think he's always going to be a hold because as we said he's finished as the RB2 he's averaged over 20 points a game and yet he's currently the RB9 like that that's crazy to me um so the guy who finished as the RB3 um he's it feels like he's been teasing a breakout for a few years uh he fin- finally broke out and that was Joe Mixon Lewis I think you're you were a little bit lower than consensus coming into the year on Mixon has uh, has that fully done a 180 now yeah it wasn't just that I was a little bit lower than consensus Mixon was actually one of the names on my do not draft list um which is something I'll, I'll always put together um only for redraft only for redraft um because I'd been let down by him too many times before um but we always knew that the talent was there if he could stay healthy and this year he did and he's looked unbelievable in the process I think helps as well with the weapons that the Bengals have that he's going to see some slightly lighter boxes um and also going to get more red zone opportunities but someone that I was very very low on um coming into the season um and then yeah completely changed course across the course of it um is currently ranked as my RB7 for dynasty um again I think potentially could be a sell at this point just because this is the outlier season for him um and so it might be that it's a sell high moment um but I couldn't blame people for for going out to try and buy in the in the hope that this becomes the norm for him yeah I think his his current value honestly absolutely shocked me I know Liam and I spoke five four or five weeks ago when the December ADP got released by DLF and the fact that he was the RB4 I was completely gobsmacked by um admittedly I think the RB4 is is perhaps the toughest spot in in all of rankings to rank at the moment I don't think there's a good RB4 um but yeah I was gobsmacked that it was him I mean Liam do you think that he he can have a big enough piece in that offense you know we talked about Jamal Chase earlier we've, we've still got Tyler Boyd floating around we've got T Higgins could the Bengals spending some more assets on that offensive line mean that Joe Mixon has has an even higher ceiling next year yeah so I really struggle with Mixon because as Louis said it's the first year that he's actually done what we expected him to do and when I say expected I mean two years ago we expected this type of production not now um five years ago we expected this production (laughs) speak for yourself rich but um yeah i I think with mixon i struggle to put him in a a top tier because of the letdown that we've had over the past few years before this one again he's tied to joe uh, joe burrow a very young quarterback very good young quarterback um for a good another two years um before cap hit or the the savings become ridiculously easy to just cut a player so 
I think, again, Mixon, I could basically copy and paste what I said for Eckler, but I'm a little bit more wary with Mixon because the Bengals have shown that they are happy to use a second back in that backfield. Um, and I'm not sure whether it was the, the fact that this year we just didn't have that back. Like some smart JP Ryan isn't going to come in and take Joe Mixon's work when he's playing that well. But if they draft a, a low end running back, let's think of a, a Kenneth Gainwell from this draft, for example, that sort of cal- caliber. And yes, Rich, I see you laughing. <laughs> shock, um, shock the guy that you suggest there. I mean, he was the first running back in like the, the fifth beyond round that I, I thought of. So, um, yeah, if if they draft someone like that, are, are they going to see a, a bit of the, the work and see that snap share steadily increase like they did with Gio Bernard? Um, maybe this is the year that has proven to Zach Taylor that Mixon can handle that workload when he's healthy. Um, but yeah, I, I think that he's a top 10 for me right now. I've got him at RB10, exactly. Um, so I like it. But I don't know whether I'd be drafting him anywhere near the RB four right now. I think I think what's quite interesting actually talking about Eckler and Mixon and talking about the the shares of other running backs in the backfield is the difference of when those running backs tend to be brought in. Um, so Samaj P. Ryan tended to be brought in on third downs, which is obviously slightly more valuable fantasy work. Um, whereas um, Joshua Kelly and Justin Jackson tended to be brought in to spell Austin Eckler on early downs. Um, so it's, there's potentially some value to look at there in terms of the fact of the way the teams see them, that Joe Mixon is actually losing a bit of the more valuable work in the passing game, whereas Austin Eckler is just being spelled slightly um, to save his legs. Yeah, you've you've stolen a point I was about to make there, Lewis. That, <laughs> Sorry. That Joe- no, 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 not at all. It's, it, it teased me up quite nicely. Um, so Joe Mixon was actually the only running back in the top six that didn't average a 10% plus target share. So Jonathan Taylor, Austin Equa, um, and the, the, the next three that we're going to mention um, all had over a, a 10% target share, whereas Joe Mixon was down at 9, 9.4%. In Mixon's defence, the only thing I'd say to that is I don't think any of the teams that you could probably argue one of the next three players have a better uh, wide receiver core than the Bengals do right now. Absolutely, but that that all needs to be taken into account. I'm not saying anything against your point. I just (laughs) say we need to take that into consideration. So the the RB4 um, this season, he is the consensus RB2. Um, in terms of dynasty circles, Lewis, I know you're a little bit lower in terms of dynasty value, and that's Najee Harris. What what is it that makes you not a, a Najee believer? I think that the, the main thing for me, and I tweeted about this the other day, and I actually ended up with some Steelers fans in my mentions um, telling <laughs> me about how fantastic Najee is as a player. I think what it is for me, so, so before the game yesterday, um, he'd had 268 rushing attempts for 984 yards, which is a yards per carry of 3.7, which is pretty bad. Um, I know it's a terrible O-line. A lot of Najee's value this year has come from having an incredibly immobile quarterback whose arm had the strength of a wet sausage and he couldn't throw it more than 10 yards down the field. And so he was getting an incredible amount of work in terms of dump-offs and also in terms of obviously the early down rushing work. Najee hasn't quite shown me enough in terms of his individual talent that I think a lot of it comes down to volume. 
And I think when you see that much volume, and actually it's an interesting thing when you look at Derek Henry as well in terms of the the carries, eventually you're you're going to see fantasy production if you're carrying the ball 20 times a game and getting 10 dump-offs. You, you just are. I haven't quite seen enough from Najee to make me think that he's a top five dynasty running back just yet. So I'm, I'm not really buying into the price. Um, the other thing, and I, I did tweet this out, through 16 games, he would have been only the third player in the last five seasons to have over 250 rushing attempts, but not hit a thousand yards. Um, and there were 26 players who did hit that mark. So it's just a bit of a concern for me, especially going into a bit of instability for the Steelers next year. Who knows who's going to be their quarterback with Big Ben retiring. Um, it probably looks like either a rookie or a, a terrible option that's already in-house. So the offense worries me a little bit. It mostly means that whilst I'm a little bit lower on Najee, and I, I don't begrudge anyone who has him ranked in that RB2 or 3 spot, I can I can see the argument. Um, I'm not buying into it because I, I don't quite see it yet. Well, it's a good job you don't begrudge anyone because both me and Rich have him as our RB3. So <laughs> yeah. that would be a very awkward uh, saying. I'll be, honest. I'll be honest with you, Lewis. I was where you were probably two weeks ago. And I was I was not willing to believe it. Um, I didn't particularly like some of the stats I was seeing. I didn't particularly like what I was seeing from a game perspective. Um and then I just kind of I dived into it in a little bit more detail. Um, and I think actually he massively outproduced what that offense kind of allowed. And yes, he saw an insane volume, and that was what what led him. But as Liam will tell you, yards per carry for me is an offensive line stat, not a running back stat. And I think that 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 shows that that the Steve's offense line is woeful, and I think it's only going to improve next year. I also think that Big Ben can't throw a deep ball. He's got an absolute hook <laughs> for an arm, which meant that he saw a higher percentage of loaded boxes than, than most other people. But you threw a couple of stats at us. I want to throw a couple of stats at you, okay? So in the, the top six, top seven running backs, um, Nigel Harrod had, had the lowest touchdown rate at 2.4. He had the lowest rushing yards per touchdown well sorry the highest in terms of the average 167 rushing yards per touchdown for uh to give you some context that james connor averaged 50 yards per touchdown um i also think that if you look at Najee harris <laughs> it was ridiculous the amount of times he was getting hit in the backfield he uh, he led the league in terms of evaded tackles per game he averaged almost five evaded tackles per game no other player was over 4.6. Um, I, I think that there is supreme talent. I, I think that there is supreme talent. There is the, the volume, as we've seen. He gets involved in the passing game. He averaged almost the 15% target share. And I really think that this offence is going to take a step forward when it doesn't matter who comes in at quarterback. I think they're going to address the offensive line because they've realised that that is awful. And if you're going to have, tell me he's going to see an 8% opportunity share, he's going to see a 15% target share in a, this offense that has got, you know, an improved quarterback, improved offensive line, and he's only going into his second year in the league. I'm, I'm fully in. Lewis, 
well, Lewis, what, what do you think? <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm quite suspect about the fact, about the idea that it's going to be an improved um, offensive line and it's going to be an improved quarterback situation. Because currently, I mean, we would assume they will address it in the draft, um, but that certainly doesn't mean that he'll be getting the same volume next year. Um, if he gets a quarterback that's more willing to throw the ball down the field, then he's going to be getting a lower target share. Um, the target share that we've seen at the moment, has it's it's mostly tends to be dump-offs. So that target share is going to go down. And I think it's completely fair to say we will assume that they will put resources into the offensive line next year. Um, but we don't know for certain that that's going to do anything. Um, you know, just putting resource into something doesn't necessarily mean that it'll improve. Um, and that's why I'm. I, I completely understand the argument. Like I, I, I really, really do. Um, and potentially, I need to do more film study on Najee myself to to see the talent with my own eyes. Um, I'm just a bit suspect about the offense going forwards, and, and I, I don't see him continuing with the same volume that he's had this year. Okay, Liam, are you are you team Richard? Are you team Lewis? Where where do you sit? hate to say it, but I'm team Richard. Um, I'm coming from a film point of view rather than an analytics point of view, but from what I've seen on film, it backs up the analytic or the the advanced analytics that Rich was using. He is is a monster when he's trying to be tackled. You can't tackle him on your own. I mean, that's a bit of a generalisation, but he, he looks so much better on tape than his stats show. And maybe you'll see that, maybe you'll disagree with my, my tape analysis, but um, keeping this sweet and short, because we've got a lot of running backs, and <laughs> not enough time. Um, I agree with Rich, but I do understand from a statistical point of view, looking at season long stats that he hasn't been impressive because of the amount of volume and the efficiency. But when that O-line, because even though you're trying not to predict that the O-line is going to improve, I want to predict it because if I'm right on that, I'm ahead of other people. If I'm wrong on that, then I don't know how much I actually lose on what I've what I'm going to be paying for Naji. But I think with 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 Naji, if that O-line improves as I expect it to, his his advanced efficiency stats will shoot him up much higher in in the the season long stats. If that makes if that makes sense. Yeah. I suppose I suppose just one last comment on RJ that I and uh, this is a little bit team rich as opposed to team Lewis. Um, it's going to be hard for the O line to get worse. So we're seeing him at the floor yeah. of what what his production can look like behind an O line. Yeah, PFF have got him as the twenty fifth best pass run blocking offensive line so far this year. It's um, yeah, it's pretty woeful. Um, so the RB five on the season, we'll try and uh, speed this up as, as Liam says, but uh, it was somewhat of a shock, shall we say? And that's Leonard Fournette. Um, Lewis, he's, he's an undrafted free agent at the end of this year. Do you think that the Bucks bring him back? Do you think we can, I guess, believe in Leonard Fournette as a, as another, you know, potential RB one next year, or do you think it's a, you know, a, a one-hit wonder. I think if you own him in Dynasty, you wait for the Bucks to re-sign him, which I think they will, because I think they'll have one last ride with Tom Brady. Um, and then I think the moment he's re-signed, you put him on the trade block and you see what you can get for him. I think he probably will perform next year, assuming he re-signs with the Bucks, because uh, I think he's shown himself to be the only running back there that 
that Tom Brady trusts, and I can't really see them drafting a running back when they know that this is probably coming towards the end of what they can expect from Brady. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, he's really, really outperformed all expectations from anyone this year. Um, but I think if you own him, you wait for him to re-sign and then you sell him. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said there, Lewis, except put him on the trade block. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> Be proactive. Make offers. If you stick him on the trade block, you just get rubbish back. Liam, do you, do you agree with us both? Yes, I agree. And um, with Fournette, as Lewis said, he exceeded everyone's expectations. I think with with him, with his current AD, um, yeah, his current ADP of running back twenty seven, as I spoke about last year in the in the off season, with having a fluid draft for the first few rounds to see whether you want to transition more to a win now team or whether you want to transition more to a uh, a younger team. Fournette at that price is a perfect pivot option for you to pick up as a later round win now running back that could perform in your flex spot. Yeah, if he's your RB3, you're absolutely laughing, isn't it? Um, so the RB6 on the season, um, somewhat of a compiler, actually finished as the RB15 in points per game, and that was Ezekiel Elliott. Um, Lewis, I know you traded him away in a league earlier this week. Um, are you are you all out on Zeke? Or? I'm, I'm, I own him in a couple of places, and I'm trying to sell him. But the worry is, if you're trying to sell Zeke now, you are at least a year too late on it. Um, he's now got the the perception that he is completely washed and I think he still can perform for you. Um, he has performed for me in a couple of places. I think you were very happy if you drafted Zeke this year. Um, he was quite high floor. Um, and I think Tony Pollard's increase in the offense is actually going to lead to him staying a little bit healthier maybe. And he definitely looks to get the goal line work. But I think you you kind of have to be happy either taking like a late first, early second for Zeke, if that, or be happy with him retiring on your team at this point because he's very, very hard to sell. Yeah, I think that ship has sailed, as Lewis has said, and I actually really like Pollard coming into the season, just wanted to pick up on that because you saw him get more usage this season and I don't think anyone really expected the type of usage he was getting. I think that that can only increase as he gets on to that later part of that contract. Yeah, I think that... Look, Zeke, Zeke, we can talk about Zeke as much as you like and and I agree with you, Liam, uh, Lewis, sorry, that I think he's a... Would be a sell option, but I think the price has dropped too far. I think he's in that Derek Henry mould of, of probably the last two years where it's you're not going to get a good return in selling him. So you've just got to accept that you're riding him out for the rest of his career. He's got an $18 million cap hit next year, which bearing in mind we were saying Austin Eckler is at six and a half. Um, but his dead cap is $30 billion. So basically, I can guarantee this, the Dallas Cowboys aren't cutting Ezekiel Elliott next year. There's no way they're paying $30 million for him to not be on the team. Um in 2023, I mean, it's still tough. They can pay him 16 million or they can free up 5 million by cutting him. So, look, Ezekiel Elliott is a, probably a low-end RB1, high-end RB2 next year. I think you've, you've got to hold him. I think he's probably going to be a bit of a, you know, a volume-based RB2 potentially next year, but I don't think you're going to get fair value in a trade. Um, perhaps the, the biggest breakout star of the year was, uh, was RB7, certainly one of mine and Liam's I guess best calls was I think it was week one or week two going all in on him. Um, and that was Cordero Patterson Lewis. Do you think he can 
return any value next year? Do you think he's he's obviously a free agent? Do you think he resigns with the Falcons? Or? I, I have absolutely no idea what to do with Cordero <laughs> Patterson. Uh, I, when I'm looking at my rankings, I just have him in a question mark box next to everything because I don't know what to do with him. Uh, I think he probably will resign with the Falcons uh, and, and potentially without Mike Davis potentially being worked as their RB1 going forwards. Um, just because I, I think he's found a team finally, finally, finally that uses him the way he wants to actually be used. Um, in my heart of hearts, I can't see him repeating just because I really didn't call it happening this year and I still don't really understand it. Um, but there's no reason why he can't if he has the same workload going forwards. Um, obviously, Calvin Ridley hopefully coming back to the Falcons next year. The development of Carl Pitts, uh, you might find that a bit more space opens up for him, so maybe he can even Im improve next year. But if I owned Cordell Patterson anyway, if he was my 20th round pick in a startup, I would have probably sold him midway through the season. I wish I was in more leagues with you, Lewis. I'd have, I'd have quite happily snapped every single one of them. Liam, Liam, where are you at with Cordero? I'm very similar to Lewis. I have no idea where to rank him. He, he. I suppose when you look at everyone's rankings, and if someone did th this piece of work, which I doubt would ever happen, where you pull everyone that has dynasty rankings together and do like an average, I'm sure that. Cordell Batson would have the largest range within people's rankings because some people have him really high, some people have him really low. There's, I have no idea where to put him. Um, if only think... there was a website like Fantasy Pros that did <laughs> consensus rankings, Liam, and you could you could go and have a look and it'll uh, pull, okay. pull the average ranking. Um, okay. I, li yeah. I like your smart response. However, <laughs> not everyone is on Fantasy Pros. <laughs> you can in all seriousness though you can I, I am going to go and do it off this pod you can go and have a look at the dynasty ranks on fantasy pros and uh, i'm intrigued to see i'm, I'm going to get my maths wrong here but he will have a what is it a what will it be a wide mode uh no standard st a wide standard deviation that's it yeah there you go trying to go back to my a-level stats days <laughs> um I I, I, look, I was I was all in on Cordell Pratt in the season. I thought he was a fantastic buy for a second early in the season, and and he absolutely returned on that investment for me in multiple leagues. I'll be honest, at the price he's currently going at, so he's the RB thirty five in current ADP. He's my RB twenty four. I am very happy to pay a second round pick for him if I can get him for a second round pick, and I think. Certainly, he's basically been put on the trade block in every single one of my leagues. Um, I'm trying not to go all in on on him just because I don't want I don't want too many uh, too high share percentage. Um, but I think look, he, wherever he ends up next year, I think he's going to return at least you know RB three value. And for a second round pick, I'm absolutely doing that. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd happily go and buy him for a second round pick in every single one of my leagues right now. So the the RBA, it, it feels like we're in a little bit of a run of of surprises, but uh, <laughs> it, it's it's another surprise. Um, it was James Connor, um, hugely buoyed by a somewhat slightly ridiculous touchdown number, scored fourteen rushing touchdowns, uh, tied for second in the league. Um, do you think again another free agent, Lewis? Do you think he's someone we can believe in, or or do you think it's a, it's a get what you can? 
I think I think James Conner actually showed a bit more wriggle in the passing game this year than we knew from him previously. He'd been very much portrayed in the the power back mold. Um, he was someone I was actually really in on. Um, generally, if there's a if there's a, a committee, um, I will try and buy the cheaper back in that committee and hope that that one takes over. So. Uh, Melvin Gordon, I got really good value on in a few places. James Conner, I got really, really good value on in a few places. I can't necessarily see him um, continuing next year. I think he'll probably stay in Arizona. I I, I think that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think I bought him in a few places midway through to contend for, for that second round pick, uh, especially because he had a, a really bad name value going into the season. Um, and he really, really returned on that. Yeah. Liam, do you think the Cardinals bring him back for another go around? Or I can see it happening, um, but I can't see the same finish happening. Um, I struggle with him because RB1 is pretty where pretty much where I have him. I think if I had the choice between Patterson and Connor, I'd take Patterson. Um, but Connor, realistically, that's where you're going to be paying for his value because you have no idea what's going to happen next year and we, we saw a lot of his production come from the the few games where chase edmonds wasn't playing um the only thing i will say is chase edmonds is also an unrestricted free agent in 2022 so you could see chase edmonds brought back and james connor told to go elsewhere because they they do like edmonds um and i don't think that they'll bring both backs um back next year yeah, I think a lot a lot will depend on on price, won't it? Um just just to to come back to you on the Cordero Patterson point, Liam. So uh his average ranking, <laughs> dynasty ranking on Fancy Pros is the RB forty three. Oh um, wow. Shockingly, I am the highest of all the rankers. He is he is the I have him at RB twenty four, uh, and the lowest ranker is RB sixty five. So uh, yeah, some forty-one spots different in his ranking. That is, uh, as you said, a, a very high standard deviation um, for his ranks. Uh, so the RB nine on the season um, was Aaron Jones. I know he, he had a decent start. He he flashed certainly in the semi-final of your playoffs. I want to say, but uh, but in the final, um, AJ Dillon started to eat into that into that workload. I'm coming to you, Liam, first as our resident Packers fan. Do you think we've talked about it at length that Aaron Jones has got one year left on his contract, on his real contract, uh, compared to the three years on his kind of fake NFL contract? Do you think it's quickly get out before people realise that AJ Dillon's coming, or do you think it's yeah. too late? Yeah, unfortunately, as much as I love Aaron Jones, the personality, the player. I think you've got to sell him this off-season. The sooner, the better as well. That said, I think that in next year's uh, redraft leagues, you can draft him as a tough running back like you did this year. Yes, he probably disappointed based on where you drafted him, so maybe a little bit further back. But I think dynasty-wise, his drop is coming. And if I can get out now rather than in a year, I'm doing it because Aaron Jones, he's shown that he's got the production and he's shown that he can still have a massive piece in that offense. But what do we see with um, 
the potential of Rogers leaving or um, Tay leaving, and uh, that's Devontae Adams. What, what do we see with a shift in the offense if anything like that happens? I think Aaron Jones specifically is someone that I'm selling if I can right now. If I can get good value, I'm not selling him for nothing because his production next year is still going to be really good. I think you've you've maybe missed the boat. I know we talked about it with a couple of others. I think you've maybe missed the boat if you're looking to sell. He's, he's currently the RB17 in DLF ADP. I think, to me, that's that's too low to be trying to sell and get a return. I think I'm, I'm probably holding at that price. Lewis, do you think... Do you think you have missed the boat or, or are you one of these that's just trying to get anything you can because you think the AJ Dillon ship is coming? I think you, your window to sell Aaron Jones was in the few weeks after he resigned with the Packers when everyone anticipated him leaving and everyone was buying AJ Dillon. I think the moment he resigned, that was your window to sell him, even though he will produce, he did produce this year, he will produce next year. Um, the same, and, and this is the argument I'll make for uh, for your Zeeks, for your Derek Henrys, for your Aaron Jones. Um, and we spoke about this um, in the last week, actually. I wouldn't try and sell them in the off-season. I would wait until mid-season when people remember how well they're actually producing and they're going to be valued slightly higher. Um, people get very, very scared of ageing running backs in the off-season. Um, if, you, if you had tried to sell Derek Henry in the off-season last year, you would have got very little. If you had tried to sell him in about week four, you would have got a haul, um, I think. You're not going to get the same level haul for Aaron Jones, but I think that's your answer if you want to get out of him. Yeah, I think that's, I think... that's an interesting point, Lewis, because um, that's precisely why I'm saying sell now is you, you're probably still catching people in a bit of a season mindset, and especially going into the playoffs where they're going to see Aaron Jones a lot more. And I can see him being a focal point of that offense more in the playoffs than he was in the past couple of weeks that you might see a Cam Akers type boost where yeah. Cam Akers last year, if you weren't watching, um, he had a massive boost from the last few weeks of the season and then the playoffs because he did really well, even though it was known that there was no points scored realistically for your fantasy team. So I think that's coming for Aaron Jones. So if you're selling in the next couple of weeks, you're probably getting more value than what you'll see in the off season. But then if you're trying to sell in February, March, April time, you're a bit late on it, and you may as well wait until people, as Rich always says, goes back into a redraft mindset and is looking at Aaron Jones as a top production op- option. Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting one. I, I do think he, this is a guy that's traditionally been incredibly efficient from a touchdown perspective, and he really underperformed rushing the ball from a touchdown perspective. Now, yes, you can say that's because. AJ Dillon ate into that work and, and scored a few touchdowns, but he, he only had a touchdown rate of 2.3. Now that's lower than every other back we've already spoken about today. Um, you know, James Connor was up at like 7.2 or something. Um, I think that he it's it's a tough one. I think I think he's a hold for me because I think that you know I am expecting AJ Dillon to get more work, but I do think that you're never gonna get that return on the investment. And I do think that he, he's probably worth holding for one more year. He's, I think he's he's in that same mould as as Austin Eckler, as Ezekiel Elliott. That you know that you're you're not going to get what you should get in terms of the production in a trade. So you've you've just got to hold and, and ride him probably until he retires again. Because unless you want to sell for what you probably get in a 
you know a mid to late first I, I think I'd still rather the uh, the player in that situation um a a fancy darling of of many many a team uh, the RB10 in uh, in points but the RB7 in points per game averaged over 18 points a game uh, Alvin Kamara Lewis do you think this is another aging running back that we're talking about potentially get out before uh, before the 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 bottom falls out do you think you can still hold him this is uh more in the austin eckler mindset for me than it is in the ezekiel elliott mindset just because of the way that alvin kamara is used and i think we saw kamara used in a very different way this year to what we've seen previously from him uh, from him there were quite a few games that he was really lacking in receptions and actually seeing much more rushing work than we've seen previously um and I don't think that will continue. I think that's just the nature of the talent that they had around him. Um, I think with the weird situation of quarterback missing James Winston, uh, obviously not having Michael Thomas, I think we saw Urban Kamara having to just run the ball like a conventional running back. Uh, if he goes back to the Alvin Kamara of, all, of old, I think you'll probably see another good couple of years out of him. Yeah, absolutely. Liam, are you, are you, are you in still on Alvin Kamara? Yeah, I've got Alvin Kamara. I think, yeah, we're all got him as the RB4 um, in our dynasty rankings. I, I quite like um, him going into the year, uh, into next year as well. I think if you're trying to sell him now again, the ship has sailed maybe a little bit, um, especially with the uncertainty at quarterback. The most rushing attempts of his career this year, and he only played 12 games. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's, that's a cracking set. I like that. <laughs> um, so the RB11, um, I think this is, dare I say it, boys massively by the fact he, he played a lot of games. He was the RB19 in in points per game. I think it shows that there was basically a, a top seven or eight in terms of points per game and then a big kind of tier from about RB8 down to about RB24. Um, but he was the RB11 in terms of how he finished, and that's Antonio Gibson. A lot of people are dreaming of that week one usage where he's, he's getting all the targets, he's getting all the work. Um, Lewis, do you, do you think that the hype kind of outweighed the production again? Do you think he's going to potentially hit on that next year, or do you think he's just going to be one of these that holds out hope and, uh, and never delivers? I, I think we're seeing a, like a Joe Mixon level sort of, uh, for Antonio Gibson in terms of someone that was very hyped up in terms of talent. And we do know the talent is there, but the situation just letting him down a little bit. Um, I mean, obviously the Joe Mixon of a few years ago, not the Joe Mixon of this year. Um, Antonio Gibson was someone I really liked coming into the season. Aside from Jonathan Taylor, uh, DeAndre Swift as well, injury aside, the, those really highly touted second-year running backs had a bit of a down year to what we anticipated. Um, it's not an offence that I particularly like, especially with uncertainty going into next year in the quarterback situation. Um, and I'm also not particularly confident in the coaching. Um, he's not... He, I think he's a player that I'm going to try and get value for now because I think the hype is still sort of around him. I think you can still get kind of a, a top 12 running back. I think Antonio Gibson as your running back too might be fine going forwards, but I, I think you can do better. Um, and I think whenever a running back has a little bit of hype around them, you can normally get that production plus uh, elsewhere. Yeah, Lewis. Has Rich disappeared? Lost Rich. 
Okay. Um, not quite sure where Rich was going with that, but I'll jump in yeah, on yeah, Antonio yeah. Gibson. What do you think? Okay, so Antonio Gibson, for me personally, I think he's not too far off Austin Eckler's value right now, which I think is absolutely crazy. So if you can trade a Gibson for an Eckler, especially as you're running back too, that's the sort of move I'm trying to make. Um, I think with Gibson... As, as Lewis has mentioned, his hype is probably a bit too high compared to his production over the past past year. Um, as I'm not sure whether you mentioned, Rich, he's the running back 19 in points per game, and he finishes the RB11. That's the sort of running back I don't want on my team. Um, I, I struggle with him, and I'm the lowest out of... Both, oh, out of all us, us three, um, with him ranked as my RB14 um, in Dynasty. I do think that he can improve, especially with a better uh, quarterback this year. Sorry, Rich, Taylor Heilicke. Yes, you were saying that he's a great value. I'm always going to rip you just just to see you. Uh, just to see <laughs> I, I love that, me, me, me being right on Taylor Heineke being a, a fantastic fantasy ad before the season fantastic. has now turned into... What? This is a guy that you could get for free and, <laughs> and produced, what was it, 14, 15 games of relevant fantasy production. And uh, apparently now I'm I'm the biggest Taylor Heineke fan who thinks he's better than Patrick Mahomes. I've never said he that. Was, he, was your Q, he was your QB3 coming into the year. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I said he was a great fantasy ad. I never said anything. I said he was better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. That was all I ever said. Um, for me, I, I think I agree kind of what you're saying. I, I'm a little bit concerned about Antonio Gibson, but I think he's such like a Twitter darling. He's one of these that gets overhyped massively. JD McKissick is a free agent this year. I think if Washington don't re-sign JD McKissick, you're going to have, that's your sell window. I think if Washington come out of free agency with no competition, come out of the draft with no competition to Antonio Gibson, that's when people are going to start talking about, right, Antonio Gibson, the three down back, he's going to get all the work share. He's going to get 70, 75% opportunity share. That's when you sell him. Because I think that he's one of these that just just seems to get overhyped and, uh, and get people almost too excited. Um, so the, the the final running back, I guess we're going to, we're going to do a bit of a dive into the, the ultimate volume-based RB2. Um, Josh Jacobs shockingly finished as a as an RB one yet again. <laughs> I think that's three years on the trot. He scraped in as a top twelve running back. Um, he was averaged only fourteen and a half points a game. Uh, Lewis, are you are you just one of these that's happy with Josh Jacobs as your RB two, or is he just not a sexy enough name for you? I'm fine with Josh Jacobs as my RB three. Um, in fact, I'm very happy with him as my RB3. <laughs> I And he's actually been a, a favourite piece of mine to either tide me over with some stability in terms of um, just you know he's going to get the workload, although actually quite a few times, um, you know, you have, there'll always be players, say your Dallas Goddard's and your Zach Ertz's, that you watch and you go, which of these two is it? I don't know which it is. Um, we had that quite a few times this year that you go, oh, I'm relying on Josh Jacobs. Oh, that's a great... Oh, that was Peyton Barber. Fantastic. Um, so maybe he's not got that same workload. But, you know, I'm happy with him as my RB3. It's such an, a low upside player that it's not really the way that I, I tend to like to play um, because I don't know, you know, unless he's going to get three touchdowns, which he has done a couple of times. 
I don't see what the upside is for him week to week. I don't think he's going to win your weeks by himself. He might not lose them because he probably has an eight-point floor. But it's not the kind of player that I like to buy in Dynasty. In fact, I, I sold him earlier this season. And Lewis, uh, Liam, I've, I've done that about four times this pod. I did it the same time. I did it when you were both on the pod last time. I, we we need to get writers that don't have names that are similar. It's, I'm going to ban it. Um, Liam, do you, do you think that going into the final year of his contract, obviously he's potentially got that fifth-year option. Do you think that he's he's a decent kind of steady Eddie to stick on your roster or, or are you looking for something a little bit sexier? I think, as Lewis said, if you're a contender going for a championship and you need a bye week filler, you can do a lot worse than Josh Jacobs. Bye week the... filler? That's that's harsh. <laughs> I mean, the, the way that I see it is if you have two top-end running backs or two top 24 running backs, and you can get Josh Jacobs as a flex option that then will cover you in bye weeks. Perfect. But I hate him. Not the person i hate the the play of having him in fantasy football because of what lewis has said he's although he can score three touchdowns it's very unlikely you're probably not getting the passing passing work you you i mean you've been we can hold out hope for that washington you can hold out hope for that washington game where he got was it was it nine nine receptions against washington wasn't it it was ridiculous but you, you've had Jalen Rashard brought in. You've had Kenyon Drake been signed to a decently sized contract to do that sort of thing. I don't think that Josh Jacobs has that upside. And he's the only player that I can think of that would actually have, I would say, would have a downturn in value by having his fifth-year option picked up by the Raiders. <laughs> yeah, possibly. I mean, he's he's just not sexy, is he? He's had, here's, here's a quiz question for you both then. He played in, I presume, 16 games. He played in 14 games. How many weeks do you think he finished as a top 12 back this season? Six. Three. It was two. Oh, I had <laughs> way to play. Way he, had, to he, had, he had two top 12 weeks, but he did have 11 weeks as a top 24 back. He, he is the epitome of a volume-based RB2. And... You know, normally that's a guy that I I don't want to roster anywhere because I think that for the price you have to pay, you can replace that production with five or six backs off your bench and and play the kind of the stream um, approach with those guys. However, the price is ridiculous. This is a guy that, as I said, I think I think he's had now had three top twelve seasons through his career. He's he's the RB twenty in ADP, like. It, he, I, and don't get me wrong, I, I, I'm lower than than that on him. He's he's my RB26. But I think if you can get him for a second, if you can get him for a high second, I'm I'm doing that 10 times out of 10. I'd probably potentially pay a late. It would have to be very late, um, late first. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 I think, he's as you said, he's, he's just not a sexy name, is he? Um so then just, just to finish us off then, guys, so we had five kind of honourable mentions. They were inside the top 12 in terms of points per game, but because of injuries and, and a range of issues, didn't didn't play a full season, so therefore didn't get enough points to be in the top 12. So Derek Henry, uh, he was the RB1 in terms of points per game, obviously only played in eight games. 
Christian McCaffrey was the RB5. Nick Chubb was the RB9. Uh, Davin Cook was the RB11 in points per game. And Jondre Swift was the RB12. So, Lewis, I'm going to come to you first. Is there any of those five that kind of jump out to you as, I guess, noteworthy or, or anything to comment on? So, I, I, for me, those are actually interesting. They are all top 12 options in my rankings. Um, Christian McCaffrey is the one which is obviously a really interesting one to talk about is will we see is christian mccaffrey injury prone now is this his his career will we see him get back to that level and if you're going to buy him now can you essentially get an unbelievably cheap one-year rental rb1 if he stays healthy because we know the talent is clearly still there um it's just injury issues um derrick henry again is a, an interesting one that i said in quite a lot of places when derrick henry was was having an mvp level start to the season and it was unbelievable. That's that's your window to sell him because we all knew the moment he had any sort of injury, even if it was a tiny one, the entire community was just going to be terrified by that. It's what we'd been fearing the whole time, even if it looks like he's going to be back relatively soon. But you're waiting for a play with that level of workload to break down. And the moment it happened, even if it's not a particularly scary injury, it's just going to change the perception on him. Yeah, I, I, I'm intrigued by Derek Henry. I wonder if there's a sneaky little buy window right now. Uh, if the Titans, you know, if they do potentially lock up the buy, the playoff buy week, the number one seed, and, and it's another week for him to recover before he then plays in that divisional round in the playoffs. And, and if, you know, if we could see Derek Henry have a ridiculous three-game stretch, potentially lead the Titans to a Super Bowl, is his price then going to completely you know, skyrocket and people go, this is this is a potential RB1. Um, so I, if I'm a complete contender going into next year, I'm, I'm kicking the tyres on Derek Henry. Um, not paying over the odds, but I'm, I'm definitely intrigued. Liam, is, is there any there that you think are uh, potentially worthy of, of, of conversation? Yeah, I, I really wanted to talk about DeAndre Swift because... I was really surprised by his um, RB12 points per game finish. I thought he was going to be a little bit higher than that. Um, and then I just worked out that if you exclude the one game where he played 20% of snaps or just under 20% of snaps um, and put that into or his final season-long score into the full window of games, you're looking at an RB, there's 10... I think he would be around the RB8, or yeah, about the RB8, RB9 in points per game. I think with Swift, you've already seen the jump for him. So I know that we all have him as our running back too uh, in Dynasty rankings. So you have seen that jump for him. But maybe we're a little bit too high at him. I, I wanted to put that out there because if we've all got him as our running back too, we have no idea what the Lions are going to do next year um, with Goff. Yes, maybe they keep him on, but if they don't, what are we going to see with his usage with the running backs? What happens when the wide receiver call gets a lot better? Me and Amon Ross and Brown has has put on a little bit of a show to end the season. Um, and yes, Rich, unfortunately, day three picks do matter in that case. 
Nope. Um, <laughs> I mean, they have mattered for the fantasy playoffs, and I'm sure a lot of people would have been happy with spending a third or a fourth round pick on him to win a title. To be but, fair, I, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll hold my hands up and admit that he, he, he helped me win a title. Um, <laughs> I, I did have one share, and uh, I did win the title in that league, so yeah. Tut, tut, day three picks do matter <laughs> by the sounds of it and rich. Um, but yeah, I, I, DeAndre Swift, I think we could be a little bit too high on him. But that said, I think that I have him in a tier with Najee right now. And uh, as you said earlier, the running back four in Dynasty rankings is probably the hardest running back spot to rank. I think running back two and three could also be put up there because you could basically switch Najee Harris and DeAndre Swift around for a lot of people. I know Lewis has uh, Christian McCaffrey as the RB3. So I think that's just a really awkward place to try and rank right now. And anyone that says otherwise, I think is lying to you. Yeah, I think for me, my Swift ranking is a, is a couple of things. I think one, I, th- I completely believe in the talent. I think he's a top three talent at the running. I love the talent. I think he's incredible. I think that offensive line they've shown, you know, with the Penny Saul pick, they've now got two elite tackles. Penny Saul had some question marks after week one or two, but he's completely turned it around and he's looked fantastic through the season. I think they're going to continue to invest in that offensive line. And the the the, the kind of third point is. Everybody talks about DeAndre Swift being in a, a timeshare. Everybody talks about DeAndre Swift potentially having to share work with Jamal Williams and, and all that kind of thing. Well, Jamal Williams is, I, I, I don't want to say definitely, but could potentially be cut at the end of the year. I don't think people quite realise that. The Lions could save $3 million by moving on from him, which doesn't sound a lot, but when they're only paying him $4 million, um, that's, that's quite a big chunk. Um, and I don't know if he's done enough to to warrant being paid four million next year. So, yeah, you know, DeAndre Swift. Yes, he was. Would you say he was the RB twelve currently? He only had a fifty seven percent opportunity share. If we start to see that ticking up into the the mid sixties, if we start seeing that offensive line improve, if we see the offense as a whole improve, some more red zone opportunities. Then, uh, then yeah, I'm I'm really hopeful that he's going to start paying back. Certainly, as a guy that has a lot of shares, um, I really hope that he does end up paying back that RB two uh, to price. So that that kind of rounds us out quite nicely, Lewis. Thank you ever so much for uh, for coming on. It's it's great to get you back on for uh, for your matchable pod. Um, where where can the the listeners find you? Where where can they read all your work and uh, and listen to you talk? Yeah, absolutely pleasure to uh, to always come on and talk to you guys. Uh, I'm on Twitter at, at LewisWoodFF underscore UK. Um, you can always find me writing at Five Yard. Um, I'm going to be doing a lot of things in the off-season. I've got some some good plans for, for the kind of content that I'm looking to produce. Um, and as a predominantly dynasty-based analyst, this is really the time when all the redraft analysts go, ah, time for a break. And us three, <laughs> us three rub our hands together and look forward to doing even more work so exciting times well thank you so much for coming on it's been fantastic um liam i believe you you've got some exciting playoff leagues for those people that aren't quite done yet with with fancy football liam's got their uh dangling the carrot for you so yeah um as i mentioned last week um i run playoffs leagues every year um i've spoken with murph and murph has launched launched some leagues 
uh, playoff leagues from the five yard rush uh, Twitter handle. So if you are looking for some leagues there, um, they're going to be supporting a charity. So I believe you have to donate a little bit. It won't be much, um, probably like five dollars, um, probably around three pounds. Um, and you can get into one of those for free or um, I will be running paid playoff leagues. So you'll be winning a cash prize at the end. Um, the other thing I wanted to say, Rich, was congratulations to Phil from the Dynasty Listener League. He has run away with the championship. Um, absolutely great performance from everyone. But again, guys, keep your eyes out on the at Five Yard Dynasty um, Twitter handle. We will be looking for replacements in the next couple of weeks because that league replaces the bottom six or the bottom five this year because me and Rich did terribly in it. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I I forget every week you say you want to mention the listener league and every week I forget about it because uh, I'll be honest I wrote off that league about, about week three <laughs> when I realised how terrible our team was I'm like yeah okay that, that, that one's forgotten about um, but yeah no thank you so much for coming on Lewis Liam another great show we'll be back next week with a wide receiver dynasty review um, and another you'll, you'll get the fourth part of the five up dynasty team and that will be another great pod so uh, have a great week all and we'll see you again next week live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.